This episode is brought to you by R1RCM, a leading provider of technology-driven solutions that transform the financial performance of hospitals, health systems, and medical groups. R1 delivers proven, scalable operating models that power sustainable improvements to net patient revenue while reducing operating costs. To learn how you can build a future-ready revenue cycle today, visit us at www.r1rcm.com beckers. Hello and welcome to the Beckers Hospital Review Podcast. My name is Will Riley from R1RCM. I'm delighted to be joined today by Nicholas Holmes. Nicholas is the Senior Vice President and Chief Operating Officer at Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego. Nicholas, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. Um, I'd like to start just by asking you a little bit about yourself. Could you introduce us, please, Nicholas, in your background? Yeah. So I'm a pediatric urologist by clinical background. So any surgery, the urinary tract, kidneys, or bladder, that's what I was trained to do. I've been at Rady Children's for the last 17 years, and I've been so fortunate the last nine years I've been the chief operating officer. So um, I don't take care of patients individually now. Um, I don't have a clinical practice, but now I take care of thousands of kids within San Diego County in the region, influencing how they receive health care in our area. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, we're going to cover the waterfront of some of the big issues facing uh, hospital executives as we go into 2024. I want to begin with a nice, easy one for you around uh, payer relationships. That's an easy one, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, a space that I think has always been difficult, but seems to, post-pandemic, have become particularly difficult. Do you agree with it, with that, that this has shifted a little bit and, and what's going on? Absolutely. So it's become even more incredibly challenging in pediatrics than adult health care. So you have to remember that only 10 cents on the do health care dollar is accounted for in pediatrics. So oftentimes the kids are afterthought, especially as it relates to payers and contracting and um, keeping in pace with, uh, with expenses. So um, we've been really challenged the last couple of years, just not only just the state Medicaid side, but also our, the commercial payer side and making sure that we get equitable payments for the work that we're doing. So expenses have risen tremendously post, post COVID and our revenues haven't increased and the burden of healthcare, because for several years, many people didn't get, or didn't have access to healthcare or chose not to do that. So the acuity and the severity illness is even higher. So so we've got really good data to present to pairs why we're asking for rate increases. It's not just because we're just trying to make sure that we keep all the revenues for the hospital, but really it's because our expenses have kind of gone up tremendously. So whether it's supplies, high cost drugs, the labor workforce as well, um, it's just all around expenses are going up. So we've noticed in our data an increase in denials and we've noticed a uh, an increase in delayed payments from commercial payers are you are you seeing those same trends playing out a absolutely uh, and we obviously know this is a, a mechanism for them to, to control expenses on their side right and make certainly uh, extra hoops that the that the providers have to be able to go through to make sure that they're getting their appropriate reimbursements. So, so we've been you know using actually AI and using uh, uh, various kind of bots to help with the denials management and helping with the pre-offs and stuff. So our staff can actually focus on 
working on those accounts that they know are, are a little bit more challenging rather than the routine denials that you may get from the payers. So tell me, tell me more about that, because um, I think our listeners are very interested in, in, in mitigation strategies. You mentioned technology, it's a mixture of technology and people at work here. Yeah, both of those together, right? You can't have one without the other. So we've never approached it, which I think many people, when they hear AI or, or bots, they think that's going to eliminate people. But we actually need to still have people, one, to they really have the intelligence and they really have the kind of the thought processes and how to be maximize efficiencies. So really what we're doing is allowing the, those people who work in revenue cycle to actually more be more productive and more focused on things that aren't the repetitive tasks that really don't require much thought, right? So the denials management letters, which are pretty standard information that you have to give in order to challenge uh, you know, a denial. And so using bots in, in that particular fashion has really helped. It actually makes the mundane part of work actually um, for those who work in the revenue cycle kind of arena, actually it makes it more exciting for them because they're not doing stuff that they think is kind of this endless loop of, of failure and of frustration, so. How is it playing out for your patients, this dynamic? Are they seeing, um, you know, uh, denials of authorizations and, and things up front in the process? Is it adding negatively to the patient experience, do you think? Um, it probably does. It doesn't. It certainly doesn't make the challenge of healthcare any less challenging, right? So if you have to imagine, if you're a parent and your child has to have a surgery and your surgeon's telling you that this is going to be really fundamental in their development, and then all of a sudden you go home and you get a denial letter from your insurance company, you know, your stress and anxiety is going to go through the roof. So, so it probably doesn't make that situation between the physician or the clinician and the patient and the family even more challenging than it already is. So um, I don't know how to solve that problem yet, um, but uh, hopefully by using bots to help with all the pre-authorizations and helping with that, maybe we'll decrease the number of denials and that additional stress and anxiety that patients or families have to experience. Yeah, very good. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the regulatory landscape. Um, you're in California, obviously, uh, so you've got some particular local uh, uh, regulations that you have to follow. You're also uh, dealing with national uh, legislation as well. Uh, we're approaching election season, so that invariably gets people talking more about healthcare as part of the national agenda. How are you seeing the regulatory landscape in 2024? What's sort of on your radar to to worry about? Yeah. So we're fortunate in California where we've got a at the state level committed to healthcare. So that which is great. So we don't have to worry about block Medicaid grants like some other states do in the elimination of that. So I, I feel good about that part. The not so good part I don't feel about it is the uneasiness of what's happening in Washington. Is healthcare still going to be in the forefront of what they think needs to be done? So if there's a change in administration, the change in Congress or the Senate, and, and so that's that's really the, the challenge. Like their delays in, in actually enacting funding for certain things or um, you know pushing appropriate legislation through that's going to actually help people. Um, on the local level, that's that's what worries me the most because then the patients and families get impacted. What do you do at, at Rady Health System like Rady Children's to to sort of keep up with that environment and and try and get ahead of it? Even yeah, it must be so difficult. It is difficult, but we have a great government affairs team in our organization that have a really a handle on what happens within San Diego region itself, and also in Sacramento and for our state government, and as well as at the at the federal level. So. 
Um, and so twice a year, so in the fall and in, in the late spring, um, myself or our CEO or other executives and organizations actually make the rounds actually and present our case to our representatives in Sacramento, as well as our representatives in Washington and, and talk about what's really important to us um, as an institution and, and how what they're doing impacts our way to deliver care to our patients. So let's talk a little bit about the patient. Um, obviously, in your case, you're dealing with um, not, not what I guess pediatric patients come with families. They do. <laughs> so that immediately adds uh, some extra complexity for you. Um, we all know that patient expectations have shifted quite a lot in the last 10 years, whether it's just because we use more technology in our daily lives, but it's because society's changing and we're changing along, along with it. But how have you seen patient expectation change? Uh, well, I equate it to the Amazon effect or any of the other apps that you can you can buy things. I think people feel that instantaneously they can get health care just like they would if they wanted to order a pair of shoes or order a book or any other kind of goods, right? So so we have a, a generation that, that that's what they've always known, right? And, and this, that generation of people are having kids. And so so we really have to meet them where they are. So we have to make sure our, our interfaces with the, with uh, the patients and the families, our patient portal has that easy access to information, has the ability for them to make appointments when they need, have the ability to be able to communicate with their providers, right? And so, and making sure we're trying to keep up to date as, as we possibly can. And one of the things we've also done is, um, especially in those kind of urgent situations, is in our urgent cares, we actually have gone to this appointment system where people can make actually appointments. And, you, and that seems kind of counterintuitive. Like, why would you make an appointment for an urgent visit? Because you don't know that you're going to have an urgent visit. But that has really been able to manage expectations because we would have, when we would open up urgent cares late in the afternoon, we would have like 50 or 60 um, patients check in within an hour, right? And then they would have to wait mm -hmm. a, a significant amount of time before they saw a physician or a nurse practitioner, right? But if they know that, they're going to need to see somebody after hours. They can say, oh, I'm going to come at seven o'clock. And they just book that appointment and we see them around 7 p.m. And it's actually our patient experience scores have increased tremendously as a result of that. Mm -hmm. So so that's the way we're kind of using kind of technology to kind of meet the meet the parents and the, and the patients where they are. You, you serve um, patients in a broad geographic area, broader presumably than just San Diego, I think you mentioned at the start. Yeah. How do you support those patients who have the greatest need, the, the most vulnerable patients? How do you engage with them? Yeah, so we consider all of our patients the most vulnerable. So we're the only children's hospital in San Diego County and east all the way to, to Arizona. So we have a very large uh, geographic region that we, ha we have to spread. So we consider ourselves a, as a resource to all the hospitals. So um, we make sure that our adult healthcare partners in the community have easy access to us, whether it's access to our specialists, um, you know, our, our emergency department to get advice uh, about what's going on. Um, we are really integrated overall into the county health system to make sure that we are considered, again, the pediatric expert as relates to trauma, emergency management, and so um, really to use ourselves as a, as a resource. So that's the way we try to cover as much ground as we possibly can, um, because our, our whole philosophy is we never want to have to turn our child away, right? Because they don't have any other place to go. So we have to always be accessible all the time. I know that's a huge burden to have, but you know the great thing about it, we've got 
everyone there is dedicated to, to support that. So. Is technology helping you with that too? Yeah, so technology, making sure our, our website and our external website is that interfaces does well. We're on, uh, our electronic medical record is Epic. So the accessibility of having all that information and, and having the background and their lab visits, radiology reports, have that accessibility for the adult uh, facilities in town if a, a child happens to, to show up as well. Um, and so we've also done several different pilots on from a population, population health perspective in terms of how do we use technology to help. And so it's um, so for diabetes management, making sure that we've got those continuous uh, uh, glucose monitoring and insulin pumps available for kids of all demographics, whether you're on a, a commercial payer or you you're on a, have a state Medicaid program. So excellent. Nicholas, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. Uh, thank you. Thank you. All right.